the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. If we look to the answer as to why for so many years we achieved so much, prospered as no other people on earth, it was because here in this land we unleashed the energy and individual genius of man to a greater extent than has ever been done before. Those who say that we're in a time when there are no heroes, they just don't know where to look. The sloping hills of Arlington National Cemetery, with its row upon row of simple white markers, bearing crosses or stars of David, they add up to only a tiny fraction of the price that has been paid for our freedom. As for the enemies of freedom, those who are potential adversaries, they will be reminded that peace is the highest aspiration of the American people. We will negotiate for it, sacrifice for it. We will not surrender for it now or ever. We are Americans. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The Answer. Yes, indeed it is, and a good morning to you. Thank you so very much for starting your day with us at 7 minutes after the hour of 9 o'clock, right here on this Tuesday, the uh, 28th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2020. And if you did not just start your day with us, because you started it with Hugh Hewitt, that's even better. That's smart. That's That really is good thinking, and I know you, you are very deep thinkers. That's why you're listeners in this audience not only of this show, but of this station. So uh, thanks for holding on uh, through, Hugh. And if you are just getting up, thanks for turning us on. We've got a lot to do today. Coming up in about uh, 40 minutes, we're going to talk to our friend Tom Z. Tom Zawistowski is the president of the, excuse me, he's the uh, president of the uh, Portage County Tea Party, as well as the We the People Convention, online at wethepeople.org, uh, wethepeopleconvention.org. And uh, Tom Z is going to join us to talk about some Ohio legislation that is very, very dangerous. And very, very concerning uh, to a lot of people uh, as far as protections of women and more. Uh, the Ohio legislature, after a massive, massive blowback, I believe, from concerned Ohio citizens, postponed what was supposed to be a vote uh, this week um, uh, to February 4th. So it's not very far off. They postponed it basically a week. So uh, next to what, a week from uh, today, I guess it would be. I think the 4th is uh, next Tuesday, but at any rate, um, it's going to take more. It's going to take more push. It's going to take more activism. It's going to take more uh, concern for um, for Ohio women and for Ohio uh, kids and others uh, who are going to be impacted greatly by this legislation. So I'll let Tom Z explain all of that at about 948. Then at 1010, happy Kersenow Day to you. Peter Kersenow, our good friend from the Civil Rights Commission, will be joining us to talk about impeachment and much more, including, by the way, um, when it comes to uh, uh, Kersenow, we are going to get his thoughts on something somebody asked yesterday. A caller said, hey, why don't we ask Peter Kersenow this question? And that is the story, 
that we told you yesterday of the assault on the First Amendment in Virginia, not the second. That one, of course, has been ongoing. There was a massive gun rights rally there uh, two weeks ago, or a week and a half, I guess it would be, ago. And um, that huge event, very successful, was to defend the Second Amendment. Uh, now it's a matter of defending the first, because Virginia is trying to outlaw, according to legislators there who are introducing a, a bill, a state bill, uh, to ban the, quote, harassment or criticism of um, top government officials, including Governor Blackface himself. I wonder if that would be constituted as harassment, if we call him publicly Governor Blackface, Ralph Northam. Uh, but anyway, it's a really strange, very dystopian kind of uh, news story that they're trying to um, uh, advance this bill in Virginia. And we had a caller who said, you know what, ask Kersenow about this, but if they're trying to essentially render the Constitution of the United States of America null and void for one state, meaning your First Amendment protections would be gone, doesn't the federal government, the United States Congress, have some sort of a say in that? Uh, aren't they required before a state, which is supposed to operate under the general laws of the United States, uh, don't they have to get some sort of a uh, permission or whatever you want to call it from the United States Congress? I said I don't think so, but I will ask Kirstenau, so that'll be part of what we talk about today. So Tom Z at uh, 948, Peter Kirstenau at 1010. Your phone calls before and uh, after those conversations will be welcome. 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Would very much like to get you on the program. If you want to text or, excuse me, if you want to tweet or Facebook comment to me, do so at France Radio, F-R-A-N-T-Z Radio, all one word, no spaces, no underscores. The impeachment trial in the Senate of the President of the United States is a lot more fun to watch now. It's a lot more fun to watch because all of the lies being told by Adam Schiff, Jerry Nadler, and the rest of the quote-unquote house managers that we saw over 20-plus painful hours stretched out over three days at the end of last week. Those are gone, and now we can listen to truth. Now we can listen to the facts provided that counter the quote-unquote facts provided, which were incomplete facts, provided by the Democrats, and that is exactly what Jay Sekulow, what Pat Cipollone, yesterday Pam Bondi, who I'll talk about and play a little bit here in just a moment, um, you know, they're, they're providing the context that was lacking and missing from the um, uh, ridiculous hoax, uh, quote-unquote, evidence, and I use that term very loosely. I use the term evidence very loosely when it comes to what the Democrats presented, and here's why. I talked about this on yesterday's show, and then I put it on my Facebook page, too. These two things are in direct contradiction with one another. They both cannot exist. They both cannot be. Thing number one that the Democrats told us is that the evidence that they have against the president is overwhelming and undisputable or indisputable. Okay? That's the what they tell you, you know, thing number one is it's just overwhelming. There's no way to acquit him based on this evidence. That's what they've said. But then thing two, which cannot exist at the same time as thing one is, hey, we need to call witnesses and we need to subpoena documents so that we can gather some evidence here. Right? Those Those two things are in direct contradiction or conflict with one another. Both of them cannot be true. You either have overwhelming evidence, which is what you said in thing one, or 
you don't have enough evidence, and you need to subpoena documents and new witnesses to testify in the Senate, which would be thing two. You can't have both. So admit that your case is weak and pathetic and that there should be a direct vote to acquit right now. Admit that, that your opening statement about the unparalleled, overwhelming, indisputable evidence is a bunch of hogwash and say, look, we tried to dig up enough, but we really couldn't. We wrote the articles anyway because we really need to seek the evidence out now. Just admit it. Just say, look, we need evidence because this is too important. Say the fact that, okay, Maybe the evidence we came here with wasn't overwhelming, but there's been a game changer here. John Bolton's manuscript has been leaked, and according to some second- or third-hand sources, we have no idea what the manuscript says, by the way. The New York Times didn't even get it. They just reported that somebody else said they got it, and when they said they got it, uh, it said that Donald Trump uh, told John Bolton that he wanted to hold off the aid until the investigation was open. That second and third hand hearsay information that would never be permissible in a court of law anyway. But if you want to, demon rats, just say, look, this new Bolton thing is something that could be a game changer here. We need witnesses so we can get that evidence. And just admit that your original evidence was garbage. You have none. You have nothing that was actually uh, actionable. So that part of it, uh, let me let me get back to now uh, uh, the, the beauty of listening to the truth. Let's get to the beauty of listening to um, the president's legal defense team driving, ma- I couldn't even say poking holes, driving massive stakes through the ridiculous presentation offered up by the, the Democrats. The articles of impeachment before you have been passed on a purely partisan basis for the first time in history. In fact, there was bipartisan opposition to the articles of impeachment. They have been trying to impeach the president from the moment of his inauguration for no reason, just because he won. The articles before you do not allege a crime or any or even any violation of the civil law. One article alleges obstruction of Congress simply for exercising long-standing constitutional rights that every president has exercised. The president was given no rights in the House of Representatives. The Judiciary Committee conducted only two days of hearings. You are sitting through your sixth day of trial. The House is demanding witnesses from you that they refused to seek themselves. When confronted with expedited court proceedings regarding subpoenas they had issued, they actually withdrew those subpoenas. They are now criticizing you in strong accusatory language if you don't capitulate to their unreasonable demands and sit in your seats for months. An election is only months away, and for the first time in history, They are asking you to remove a president from the ballot. They are asking you to do something that violates all past historical precedents that you have studied in this class and principles of democracy and take the choice away from the American people. It would tear apart the country for generations and change our constitutional system forever. Pat Cipollone has been absolutely methodical in his approach. He has been absolutely, uh, uh, I mean, pinpoint accurate 
and methodical in pointing out all of the truths here. This investigation, this uh, attempted impeachment, began when the president was inaugurated. If I wanted to pick nits, and I can be nitpicky sometimes, if I wanted to, I could say, well, he's a little off here. The investigation and the impeachment of Donald Trump didn't really begin on the day of his inauguration. It really began the night he won. And again, not to be redundant, and I apologize if it is, if you're a regular listener, you know I've pointed this out. It actually began before he won. And if you're wondering, how can that be? How can they plan an impeachment if somebody hasn't even won yet? That was the insurance policy. That's what Peter Strzok and Lisa Page and other members of the supposedly nonpartisan, nonpolitical FBI, that's what they put in place. They talk to one another about an insurance policy that he's not going to win, he's not going to win, he's really not going to win. But in the unlikely event and lightning strikes in the wrong place at the wrong time and he does somehow beat Hillary, we have an insurance plan in place. That insurance plan was impeachment. So they were planning this three years before the phone call to Ukraine to talk to President Zelensky. So Cipollone just kind of laid all of that out. Let me get a quick time out here. We'll come back in. We'll take some phone calls. We've got more audio for you from the presentation by the president's team yesterday and including a liberal Democrat constitutional law professor who spoke yesterday on the Senate floor and gave literally a constitution class a lecture in constitutional uh, privileges granted the President of the United States, a liberal Democrat in full-throated defense of Donald Trump, because that would be full-throated defense of the Constitution. We'll tell you about that coming up next as well, right here on AM 1420, The Answer. Nine twenty-four. Now we continue on AM fourteen twenty. The answer. We're going to get a phone call in here from Navy Man Norm before we get to more of yesterday's hearing as the president's defense team uh, just uh, destroyed, literally destroyed the pathetically weak argument made by the Democrats last week against the president. Norm, go ahead, sir. My best, my best, uh, shall we say, candidate for spokesperson of the team was Eric. I think it's Hirsch or Hirschman. He's the gentleman that brought up John Kerry's son, Hunter Biden, Biden, Obama. He did the videos of Obama talking to uh, Russian President Medved. And uh, he just, he was like a pit bull. And I don't know if you saw the whole thing, Bob. I did. Yes, I did. Because he came on right after Pam Bondi. um, And who, who I thought was... The Pam Bondi experience, I'll talk more about in a little bit. Her her facts that she was presenting, extraordinarily important uh, and, and accurate and right, but I thought her presentation left a lot to be desired. She bumbled and stumbled and mispronounced names through it. It did not help the case, in my opinion. It, it really kind of weakened it. As a matter of fact, uh, the facts helped her, but her presentation was not great. He came on right, right after her, the one you're talking about, and you're right. He was spectacular. Uh, and, and really, you know, had the kind of the, uh, I don't know, the presence, the command of the of the room to really uh, lay out the case that you point out. Yeah, and he uh, he sliced and diced uh, Adam Schiff, and that much to my uh, heart's delight. But I'll tell you what, I watched the entire presentation by Ken Starr. He is brilliant. Oh, my God, is that man brilliant. But also then... Uh, Alan Dershowitz says even what John Bowden uh, says is true, it's still not an impeachable offense. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. And, yeah, that that's the that's the place I was going next is to Dershowitz. Go ahead and finish your thought, then I'm gonna play him. Now I don't know if you know about this mere coincidence, but guess who vets the manuscripts and books at the NSA? Who's that? Lieutenant Colonel Venman's brother. Yeah, yeah, Venman's yeah. brother. Yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah, just a mere coincidence. This yeah, out, right. right? Uh, just uh, it totally. You know, this this whole thing with Bolton smells just like Comey. It really does. It's it's you know when we talk about deep state, and I feel terrible about that because I've always been a strong advocate and defender of John Bolton. But his behavior and what he's writing here, if it is in the manuscript, um, and, and then leaking it and allowing it to be read, as you pointed out by uh, by Vinman's brother, who obviously has that axe to grind against the president, Alexander, call me Lieutenant Colonel. Vindman. Um, yeah, very, very troubling. Uh, and we'll talk more about that, too. But I want to get to Dershowitz here before the bottom of the hour. Thank you, Navy Man Norm, for that phone call. Uh, Alan Dershowitz is the man I was talking to when I said, or talking about, rather, when I said that, uh, you know, this liberal Democrat con law professor from Harvard could not have less in common with Donald Trump. It really, he, he's a Hillary voter. He is a liberal Democrat. Uh, he does not like Donald Trump. He did not vote for Donald Trump. But what he is above uh, all else is an American, and he made that very clear. The reason I'm here, he said, is not because I'm a fan of Donald Trump, but it's because I love my country. He is 100% correct. His arguments uh, about the Constitution and the lesson that he taught the Senate yesterday was 100% about his love of country, and we cannot allow what is happening to Donald Trump to happen because of the damage it would do to the country and to the presidency, not just to this particular president. And he pointed that out when he said, I would make this same exact argument if Hillary were president right now. Mr. Chief Justice, distinguished members of the Senate, our friends, lawyers, fellow lawyers, it's a great honor for me to stand before you today to present a constitutional argument against the impeachment and removal not only of this president but of all and any future presidents who may be charged with the unconstitutional grounds of abuse of power and obstruction of Congress. I stand before you today as I stood in 1973 and 1974 for the protection of the constitutional and procedural rights of Richard Nixon, who I personally abhorred, and whose impeachment I personally favored. And as I stood for the rights of Bill Clinton, who I admired, and whose impeachment I strongly opposed, I stand against the application and misapplication of the constitutional criteria in every case and against any president without regard to whether I support his or her parties or policies. I would be making the very same constitutional argument had Hillary Clinton, for whom I voted, been elected, and had a Republican House voted to impeach her on these unconstitutional grounds. I am here today because I love my country and our Constitution. Everyone in this room shares that love. I will argue that our Constitution... That is exactly why this is so important. When a liberal Democrat rises in defense of a conservative president who is hated by liberal Democrats, you know that this is not about partisanship when he speaks. 
This is about country. This is about law. This is about the Constitution. And Dershowitz, to me, was as much of a home run hitter yesterday as anybody that the Trump team put up there. And they put up some great, great um, uh, uh, attorneys and defense team members to really argue the case and destroy the Democrats' narrative. But I don't think anybody did it better than Alan Dershowitz. It's news time now. We'll come back. We've got more for you. i got more Dershowitz for you. i got Pam Bondi for you. And uh, I've got Robert Ray for you as well. Stay right here. I am 1420, The Answer. Nine thirty four onward. The Bob France Authority, AM 1420, The Answer. Your phone lines are open at 216-901-0945 or 888-281-1110. Tom Z, Tom Zawistowski, our friend from the Portage County Tea Party and the We the People Convention, will be joining me in about uh, 13 minutes to talk about uh, some Ohio legislation that is very disconcerting, to say the least. But I want to stay on the impeachment story, and I want to stay focusing on Alan Dershowitz, the um, uh, noted, famed, liberal Democrat, Harvard Law professor emeritus, constitutional law professor, um, Alan Dershowitz, who is a Hillary voter, not a Trump voter, a Hillary supporter, not a Trump supporter, yet arguing in defense of the president because the Constitution says we should argue in defense of the president. This is not the time to impeach a president over a foreign policy dispute. And that's what this entire thing was. It was one or several people's opinions on how foreign policy with Ukraine should be conducted that differed from the president's. And so there's those individuals looking for a reason to impeach because it's what they promised since Inauguration Day or Election Day, depending on your perspective. They said, let's try this. We tried to try, get enough uh, dirt on him with the Russia collusion story that Mueller investigated so we could impeach him on that. We failed. There wasn't anything there. So let's see if we can get him on this. We'll blame a quid pro quo arrangement with the Ukrainian government as uh, abuse of power, and we'll try to impeach him on it. But here's Dershowitz. The presidential motives to determine the distinction between what is impeachable and what is not. And here I come to a relevant and contemporaneous issue. Even if a president, any president, were to demand a quid pro quo as a condition to sending aid to a foreign country, obviously a highly disputed matter in this case, that would not by itself constitute an abuse of power. Consider the following hypothetical case that uh, is in our news today as the Israeli uh, Prime Minister comes to the United States for, for meetings. Let's assume a Democratic president tells Israel that foreign aid authorized by Congress will not be sent or an Oval Office meeting will not be scheduled unless the Israelis stop building settlements. Quid pro quo. I might disapprove of such a quid pro quo demand on policy grounds, but it would not constitute an abuse of power. Quid pro quo alone is not a basis for abuse of power. It's part of the way foreign policy has been operated by presidents since the beginning of time. The claim that foreign policy decisions can be deemed abuses of power based on subjective opinions about mixed or sole motives that the president was interested only in helping himself demonstrate the dangers of employing the vague, subjective, and politically malleable phrase, abuse of power, as a constitutionally permissible criteria for the removal of a president. All right, that is very, very well said, as if anything from Alan Dershowitz could not be very well said. 
But his point that quid pro quo has been used by presidents and leaders of states forever, it's how deals are struck. Now, what the Democrats are asking you to do is believe that they know what's inside Donald Trump's head. They want you to believe that they're mind readers. And that when the president used this this case for quid, which, by the way, let's go back to the most important point here. There was no quid pro quo. Trump never, ever let the Ukrainians know that aid was going to be delayed or paused for a short period of time. And the aid was eventually released without any, quote-unquote, investigation into Burisma and corruption, and the Bidens was announced. They never announced an investigation, never did anything to get the money, got the money anyway, so there was no quid pro quo. But Dershowitz's point is huge. The Democrats are saying that there was. And so if they were right, it would still not be a basis for abuse of power because they're trying to read the mind of the president and say he wasn't just trying to make a deal, quid pro quo, for our country's benefit. It was for his own personal benefit. This could help him in the election because the Bidens are part of the Burisma corruption. So they're trying to ask you to believe that they know what was in the mind of the president at the time that happened. So that's very important, what uh, what Dershowitz said there. Now, I want you to listen to this part, too. Yesterday's big bombshell, you heard it, was from Sunday night, the John Bolton manuscript. The Bolton manuscript is leaked to the New York Times, or at least, uh, <coughs> excuse me, um, Porsche, uh, the New York Times talked to somebody else who actually says they saw the manuscript, and they're claiming that Bolton is claiming that Trump told him he wanted a quid pro quo, that he did want to hold the aid until an investigation was either carried out or at least announced. And so Dershowitz wanted to address that as well, and he did in his own expert fashion. Let me repeat, nothing in the Bolton revelations, even if true, would rise to the level of an abuse of power or an impeachable offense. That is clear from the history. That is clear from the language of the Constitution. You cannot turn conduct that is not impeachable into impeachable conduct simply by using words like quid pro quo and personal benefit. It was also very, very important to point out, which he did, and some of the other members of the president's defense team in yesterday's hearings and yesterday's uh, statements, it's really important to point out that even if the Bolton manuscript turns out to be accurate, and we don't know because it's just a manuscript, they have edits and rewrites and redactions all the time before it becomes a book and is put in printed form. But even if this survived any editing and redactions, and even if it were true, that President Trump did say he wanted to withhold the aid until an investment investigation was done. Dershowitz pointed out that saying something like that is not an abuse of power, and it is not an impeachable offense because he didn't actually carry it out. Saying something is not an impeachable offense. First of all, quid pro quo is not impeachable, even if it is carried out, Dershowitz Dershowitz said. But to to simply say you want a quid pro quo and then to change your mind and not actually demand one and release the aid anyway before the deadline, that's kind of, you know, it doubles down on the fact that the Democrats literally have nothing in their first article of impeachment, abuse of power. 
And as pointed out yesterday, they have nothing <laughs> in their second article of impeachment, uh, which is obstruction of Congress because of, well, the Constitution, providing the executive, which is the President of the United States, with privilege, executive privilege in terms of what he will allow about his private conversations with senior aides to be released. Because that is exactly how it's supposed to be. It's exactly how it's worded in the um, Constitution of the United States. So it's so extraordinarily important to understand what happened yesterday. And yet, while we make sense of all of this, we listen to people, we listen to idiots like Chris Wallace on MSNBC describing me and Alan Dershowitz and Pat Cipollone and Jay Sekulow and you. If you are a defender of President Trump, he insults you this way. About Mr. Bolton, and again, you start to see some Republicans go down the path of assassinating John Bolton's character. I don't think they will be able to do that credibly. Well, and just to sort of bring our, our, our viewers into what was happening, obviously we're all watching this. We're going to get into Ken Starr's testimony, which made some of the lawyers on the, on the panel. And I think- Apologies, this is, this, is, uh, this is not Chris Wallace. They were talking about Chris Wallace. Um, uh, discussing this matter on Fox, but this is MSNBC's Nicole Wall. We're going to be joined by Ari in a minute, but the, the, the real sort of volcano beginning to sort of erupt and, and, and cascade down um, the, the sites is this exp- potential um, explosion on the right. And I, I want to show our viewers um, some of that sort of emotion heating over on Fox News. The fact of the matter was that the whistleblower information was given to the inspector general who gave it to the Justice Department. The Justice Department decided not to investigate, and that is why it went to the House. So to say that in the Clinton investigation that these people were interviewed by the House, one, they weren't, and to say that it wasn't done by the Justice it wasn't done by the Justice Department because the Justice Department refused to carry out the okay. investigation. T- Get your facts straight. Okay. That is a, I've, I've known Chris Wallace my entire career in politics. This is an unflappable man. And, and just the, the, I mean, I called it the Flat Earth Society. The Republicans are clinging to this argument that the Earth is flat. There it is. That, that's the line that I wanted you to hear. If you are defending the president, you are a believer in the flat earth. You, you do not understand and accept the obvious, scientifically provable fact that the, that, the earth, that the earth is round. This is what they think of you. They think you're a caveman. They think that you're backwards. They think that you're some, what did they say about the smell of, of Trump voters in Walmarts? They think you're some Walmart uneducated, Walmart shopping uneducated rube who doesn't know anything about anything and that the intellectual elites are the ones who should be deciding all of this. I just wanted you to hear that slam because I think that's important that you know who and what they think you are. All right, 945, quick timeout. Tom Z coming up up, uh, after this. As we continue, AM 1420, The Answer. I want to shift gears away from the impeachment trial and the amazing job done yesterday by the Trump legal team. And I want to talk about a local issue, well, actually a statewide issue here in the state of Ohio. My friend Tom Zawistowski is back with us once again. Tom Z is the president of the Portage County Tea Party, as well as the We the People Convention, which you can find online at wethepeopleconvention.org. Tom Z, good morning, sir. Good morning. Glad to be with you again. 
Good to talk to you as always. All right, we need to talk about House Bill 369. We need to talk about this extraordinary uh, attempt to, uh, in my opinion, endanger women and endanger children and to essentially shred the Constitution, all in the name of, well, uh, what they are calling LGBTQ protections. They're so concerned with protecting one particular class, they are, they are not concerned at all with those who would actually be endangered by legislation like this. Tell us about it, Tom. Well, yeah, and, and, and you hit it right on the head when you said they're trying to protect classes of people. That is not what the American Constitution, the U.S. and Ohio Constitution, is about individual rights, not class rights. That's communism, right? That's, that's the group identity politics that the regressive communist left in the Democrat Socialist Party are pushing on all of us and trying to tell us that you're identified as, uh, by your class not by who you are as a person. And these so-called, these are called SOGI laws, okay? And they, and they basically are laws that are supposedly trying to fix an injustice where trans people in particular, uh, sexual orientation and gender identity bills, what SOGI stands for, that these people are supposedly under so much persecution, Bob, their, their rights are being infringed on because they can't go, if they're a guy, they can't go into the women's restroom. If they're a guy, they can't go into the girls' locker room, right? This is how they're saying their rights are being violated. But as we pointed out in our, our email today, in our statement today, uh, celebrating the fact that the, the Ohio Civil Justice Committee in the Ohio House has canceled their vote on this bill that's in their committee, you know, we, we basically pointed out that there's, they have no business even bringing these things out for a vote because these trans people are violating the rights of 50% of the population, meaning women. And so why would you substitute the rights of two-tenths of 1% of the people against the rights of 50% of the people? It doesn't make any sense, Bob, and it's well, all well, before, based on before the lie get, that this Tom, is a we get, or something. Tom, before we get too much in the weeds on this particular bill, um, you pointed out in your article on the website on wethepeopleconvention.org that we should start with the Civil Justice Committee in the first place. Why is there a Civil Justice Committee? What does that even mean? Well, that's exactly right. There is no such thing as civil justice in the Ohio National Constitution. There's only equal justice for all and equal justice under the law. And, and the left, this is where you know the socialism, which is really communism, is infiltrating our institutions, including government. And so I call for this committee to be disbanded. That there's no place in our Ohio House for a committee called the Civil Justice Committee because it literally goes against the, you know the very you know Ohio Constitution that it's supposed to serve. So that's that's strike one, right, Bob? Shouldn't even be a committee. Strike two is they're trying to create a new class of people protected by law. We have laws, civil rights laws, that protect you know people like gays and, and, and by race. You can't discriminate by race. You can't discriminate by sex, which is you know women. You can't discriminate you know on, on, against veterans, for instance. But they're Religion. trying to create a new class, right? And that's not. We don't need a new class. These people, these trans people are mentally ill. That's not my opinion. Johns Hopkins University has spent 50-plus years studying transgenderism. 
It is a mental illness. And the left is grossly using these people that need health care, need treatment as a tool to attack our country, to destroy our social order and destroy our religious institutions and businesses and undermine our values. And the Republicans are helping them. There's nine Republicans in this committee and only six Democrats. It's, you don't even bring it up. It's, it's you know, Take this garbage and get it out of here. So this particular bill, um, as you pointed out, was canceled. Uh, the vote on this bill, I should say, was canceled or at least now postponed until February 4th. So that's what, next Tuesday, I think? Some, next somewhere? Tuesday. So they yeah, think next we're so going to stop today. You know, bugging them. So right. you got another week right. to bug them. What, 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 are you, what are you going to do? What do you want to see? Who are you going to talk to? And what do you think uh, our listeners here uh, should do to express themselves to make sure that next week when this thing is voted on, uh, they do indeed vote to get rid of it? In the interest of... See, this is a key, Tom, and speak to this, too. You're correct when you say, you know, when you describe the mental illness not being your opinion, but uh, because of Johns Hopkins and others. I mean, doctors all over the world have, have described a gender dysphoria. Uh, that is what transgenderism is. It's gender dysphoria. It is when the mind does not agree with what the body is. And, and it, it is. It's a, it's a psychological um, condition. But when you say that, or when I say that, automatically we are called bigots, we are called homophobes, we are called, um, you know, uh, uh, virtually everything that you can call somebody in, uh, to insult them uh, over this, you know, saying we're anti-trans because we're, 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 we're homophobes. We're not talking about being homophobic, and we're not talking about homosexuality, and we're not saying it should be right to discriminate against anybody, but it also is not right to discriminate against women who are having their rights violated violated by these personal private spaces being infiltrated by members of the opposite sex by losing their places on sports teams and in other uh, capacities because uh, because of this LGBTQ rainbow mafia agenda. So how do you speak to it and how do you respond to those who say you're only trying to kill this bill because you're a homophobe, Tom Zawistowski? So first of all, if you can't make your case, you just immediately go to slander, right? You start calling people names. The fact that they can't make their case doesn't mean I can't make my case. And so I don't care what they call me. And Bob, I know you don't care what they call you, right? But here's the, here's the bottom line. I said on my well, radio show. Well, I do, show Tom. Actually, I, I do. I do. You, you uh, do? I will, I, I I will never compromise my principles on what I believe because people are calling me something. But I would like to be recognized as somebody who's right about this, who's looking at this from a, from a, you know, from a purely logical point of view, from a common sense point of view, and a defensive women point of view, rather than this isn't attacking transgenders. It is defending women and defending science, chromosomal, physiological, and anatomical science go ahead so bob so the point is the people who listen to your show respect you and respect your position and that's who you should want respect from these people are not honest they're not sincere about discussing this they're not trying to solve a problem they're trying to create a problem and they know they're wrong they absolutely know they're wrong they know they know they're wrong about donald trump's impeachment as, as horace did a fantastic job yesterday and you pointed out this isn't about right or wrong. This is about good and evil. These people are evil. They're trying to hurt you and me and our daughters and our country. And our job is to stop them. And so I'm going to say the truth. The truth is this. This is not about equal rights. None of this, quote, unquote, civil justice is about equal rights. It's about superior rights. They don't want to compete for the job fairly with you. 
They want to get the job because of their race, their gender, their sexual orientation, or whatever it is. That's not the American way. And unless we fight back and say, we're going to hire you because you're the best, you pass the test with the highest score. That's what Martin Luther King said, that he had a dream, and we're celebrating his, you know, his, uh, you know, his uh, Memorial Day, his holiday, when he said, I had a dream that my children will not be judged by the color of their skin, but the, but the content of their character. This has nothing to do with that. And we reject it. And I reject it. And the Ohio House should throw this out and, and really disband this committee. And that's what I want people to do. And so I want you to go to wethepeopleconvention.org, and you'll see a story that says Fifth Circuit Court rejects the lie of transgender pronouns. That's also a really good story that just happened. Okay, And when you click on that story, you'll see a link to the Ohio bill where you can read my comments. And then call and write your House member and tell them that you want them not to even bring this up for a vote. You want them to look at this Civil Justice Committee and question how it's consistent with the Ohio Constitution. And you want Republicans to start acting like Republicans and defend the party platform. Do you know who the sponsors uh, of these? Uh, there's two concurrent bills, right? There's a House Bill 369 and a Senate Bill 11, I believe, in the Ohio right. General Assembly. Do you know who's sponsoring right. these and who we really should I talk think, to? I uh, think Steve Hambly is the Republican sponsor uh, of this. Steve Hambly, uh, who's um, I'm not even sure which district he's in. And then there's, uh, you know, I'll actually post a list of all the people on the committee. There's 15 people on the committee, so I'll put that. On my put the committee members well. up there and put the sponsors up there too, so that people know yep. exactly who they should really target with this, because it is um, it is extraordinary. I mean, it really is all in an attempt to appease a class of people that isn't really a class of people. That's what they're doing. Uh, they they are people with, as you said, psychologically um, uh, psychological impairments uh, that that lead them to think something that is not so, and uh, there should not be in the state of Ohio. In fact, there isn't anywhere in the state of Ohio law that allows for discrimination against women because of the protection of a class of people who have a psychological, shared psychological condition. So uh, we got to get this information out there. Tom Z, we'll get people to your website so you can make sure to tell them who to contact. It's wethepeopleconvention.org, wethepeopleconvention.org. Tom Zawasowski, right. thank you, my friend. Thanks. Appreciate it, Bob. You got it. 10 o'clock, news time now, and on the other side of that, happy Cursenow Day right here, AM 1420, The Answer. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.